This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. KD, the Nets, they're all in love with each other once again. At least that's how they're portraying it. But you know what? Believe that at your own risk. You know, before we get to the calls real fast, you know, a, a lot of folks are also pointing to this instance and trying to make a comparison between this and what happened with Kobe Bryant, who, by the way, today's his birthday, and, you know, you still think about that, and you just, it's unbelievable. Uh, hard to fathom that he's not here, which is just in, insane, even, you know, a couple of years later. Um, but people are calling to mind what happened with Kobe back in 2007 with the Los Angeles Lakers. Kobe got tired of the way things were being done out there. He thought maybe his time was up, and he went to the Lakers and said, trade me. Trade me. And then they smoothed things over. And then he, of course, stuck around, didn't go anywhere. And the Lakers made three consecutive trips to the NBA Finals. Went in a couple. Um, But do you really think that the same thing is going to happen to the Brooklyn Nets here? I don't. And I really don't think you can make the comparison either. Why? Well, because, number one, Kevin Durant's not Kobe Bryant. Number two, Kobe Bryant was the Lakers at that point. He was the franchise. Remember, Shaq was gone. It was Kobe's team. He already had three rings with that club. He was already an all-time Laker great at that point. Kevin Durant ain't that guy for the Nets. And I know he just got to saying he's the most talented player to ever put on a net uniform, but still, he hasn't built up that cachet and that equity with the franchise. They won one freaking playoff series together. So I can't go there. I won't allow myself to go there. Here's Woj appearing earlier today on SportsCenter, the great Adrian Wojnarowski, how the Nets and KD got to this point. I think that meeting two weeks ago was an impetus to start these sides talking again about a way to move forward together to rescind this trade request. And Kevin Durant saw that, and the Nets both saw that. The market, I think... Everybody imagined would be there, and for a Kevin Durant trade, wasn't there. That teams were not willing to just gut all their good young players, young stars, and draft picks for even a player as great as Kevin Durant at 34 years old. And I think with the Nets making it clear to Durant that they weren't going to just give him away, that they had to get a sizable return, and the fact that that wasn't out there and it wasn't close anywhere, and I think Kevin Durant looking at this Nets roster Uh, the commitment of Kyrie Irving to come back here in the last year of his deal and a Ben Simmons who there's a lot of optimism he'll be ready for training camp and the rest of this roster this is a very good Nets team and now we'll see how it goes together I don't think there's ever any lasting stability in many of these super teams in the NBA but for the Nets they get Kevin Durant off the trade market they get him ready now to come to training camp and for the first time you know a Durant Ben Simmons Kyrie Irving training camp and a team that should be very formidable in the East. We're not even talking about the NBA Finals. You know, we're not even talking about the playoffs, anything like that. Woj was just bringing up training camp with those three guys potentially there for the Brooklyn Nets. It's so bad. And they have done such a good job, I wouldn't say intentionally, but probably inadvertently, but yet of their own doing nonetheless – that I can't even sit here and allow myself to believe that those three guys are going to be at training camp together. 
on the floor actually playing, not ramping up like Ben Simmons was doing last year and basically sitting there just dribbling a basketball in his practice shorts. Like, actually, team drills, workout sets, plays, all those things. I can't believe it. And if you can't even believe that they're all going to be there for training camp, what does that tell you about the state of the franchise? Lou in Brooklyn, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Lou, how you doing? Yeah, hey, how you doing? Um, hey. I, uh, I was going to call about KD, um, but you said something before about Kyrie that really, that really turned me off. You said that, you said that basketball is not his number one priority. It's not. That's what you said. It's not. Maybe it's not. I have a simple question. Since when do we demand that a person's profession is number one priority? People have wives, kids, spouses, um, hobbies. For example, let's say an actor. Let's say you said an actor, his number one priority wasn't acting. He doesn't enjoy acting. Let's say Kyrie didn't enjoy the NBA, didn't enjoy playing, didn't enjoy the media, poking down his throat every second. Who cares? It's his job. It's his profession. If he plays well on the court, when he's healthy, right, he can't control, he doesn't want to get injured. He can't control his injuries. If he plays well on the court when he's there, right, and that, why do we care if it's not his number one priority? Since when? Is your number one priority your show? Is anyone, is, is an accountant's number one priority his client's tax returns? No. He's an NBA player. So that's his job. He makes his money like that great good for him so Why basically so, so Lou, your logic, that's let me ask number you a question Lou, Lou, let me ask you a question okay because i see what you're doing you're just trying to you know push buttons and stuff and it's funny but if you I'm were joe Sy, Lou, Lou, if you were joe Sy, and you own the brooklyn nets and you were the guy that was paying 30 plus million dollars to kyrie irving this year and he could just wake up one morning and decide like he's done in the past that yeah i don't want to play this week or next week i don't know when i'm coming back i might not play here or really wishy-washy about his commitment to the team would you feel good signing those 30 million dollar checks to kyrie irving that's the point i was trying to make no 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 it's fine you don't even feel good about it i'm just saying kyrie this is narrative about kyrie that really bothers me i didn't even mean to call about this i meant to call about kd but that this, this narrative about kyrie that's i'm a knicks fan by the way i'm, I'm not even i have no skin in the game for kyrie i don't like kyrie i just well, kyrie, guess, about what, kyrie. guess what you're lucky he didn't pick the knicks because then you would be probably a little bit more rough about I this i would have loved it if he picked the knicks i, I, I oh like kyrie, but how he never plays louie never plays why do you want him on your team He's a great player. When's the oh. last time he had a great player on the Lou, team? Lou, for the call. Lou, thank you for the call. Lou, 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 thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. I'm not going to yell about that. Who? I mean, think about that for a second. Use Lou as an example if you're a fan. So what you're saying is you want a guy on your team who's only going to play when he wants, no guarantee how many games he's actually going to show up for. You don't know what day of the week he's going to feel like playing or not playing. That's the guy you want on your team? You're trying to build a winner? You're trying to – you want people like that in your life? that you can't depend on and are not reliable? I don't want those guys as my friends, much less employees, teammates, coworkers, whatever. Dependability, reliability. Oh, yeah, that's great. I want this guy on my team. Like Patrick Mahomes, for example. You're a Jet fan, you're a Giant fan. If I told you, you know what, Patrick Mahomes is going to be your quarterback, but he's only going to play four out of the 17 games. You want that? I don't care how good of a player he is. Not doubting his skill, not doubting his ability. It's about his reliability. And, yeah, basketball's not the top priority. And even when he's playing basketball, you wonder if he's even fully committed. I'm not sitting here telling you your family shouldn't matter and all this other stuff, but you know what? All the other initiatives and the things and the, the social issues, if you want to do that, be my guest. Do it. God bless you, and I commend you for doing those things. But you can't kind of like be a part-time professional athlete, team leader, like he tries to fashion himself as. That's what you can't do.
Subi in Midtown, up next. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Subi, what's up? Hey, Dan, what's up? Uh, the what's previous up, caller, he made a little bit of sense, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, this, this game comes down to wins and losses. And the problem with KD and Kyrie, I'm trying to figure out where their mental head is at right now with the fact that they are losing and they were winners before. Well, Subi, real quick, uh, not to interrupt you, I'll, I'll let you finish. You think the Boston Celtics are shedding tears right now that Kyrie Irving left? How have the Celtics done since Kyrie went to exactly. Brooklyn? Yeah, that's the whole point. And I was wondering, you know, with the Warriors were on the table, Warriors would have to give away a lot of young, promising players to get KD and the owner just didn't want to do that. And I think uh, KD's mental health is coming into play. And his, I mean, this all comes down to whether KD and Kyrie are going to perform on the defensive end. Because the previous seasons, I saw them shoot, you know, pretty well, obviously, offensive juggernauts. I don't know if these guys can match up with uh, Golden State, Milwaukee, Toronto, all these defensive teams in a seven-game series. I just I just don't see that. Why? Because they're getting older, and I just don't think they have the will to perform at that defensive level, defensive championship level, as other teams do. That's all i got to say. I just don't think they're capable. So it doesn't mean that they're not good players. I just don't think they're capable. I think there's other better teams now. Well, that's a given, and I thank you for the phone call. And we could sit here and talk about the X's and the, uh, the, X's and the O's and what you know, they lack and what they still need, but they're not even a top three team in the Eastern Conference, if you ask me right now. Boston's better than they are. The Milwaukee Bucks are better than they are. Philadelphia, if you get a committed James Harden, might be better than they are. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, for whatever reason, I'm just kind of, no pun intended, hot and cold on the Miami Heat. I've never really bought into all that down there. But, I mean, by the letter of the law, they certainly had more of a successful season than the Brooklyn Nets did last year. So, I mean, the Nets got a lot of work to do. And part of doing that work and part of fulfilling all of this talent and all of this ability and all those things is actually being committed and showing up. That's half the battle. And I'm not convinced that they're able to do that. And I mean, you know, I'm not even thinking about the playoffs yet. You, you'd be a fool if you sit here and think about, you know, what the Nets are going to be like or not be like in the playoffs because I got news for you. Think about all the twists and turns and all the drama and all the things that you and I are going to be sitting here talking about over the next six months that you know are going to be newsworthy regarding this team before April and the postseason even arrives. How many guys are going to want to be traded? How many guys are going to not play, miss time with injuries? This guy's fighting with this guy. Like, it is a soap opera. And I mean, okay, they put out a statement today, and this is just to get them to training camp without any more drama. At least we would think. But am I going all in? Am I buying stock on this Nets team? No way, no how. How can you? You can't trust any of the key parties. I mean, for example, what's going to be the situation with the head? Imagine being Steve Nash right now. Now, Steve Nash, right, as I said, guy's done nothing as a head coach. He doesn't get the job as a head coach unless he's Steve Nash, Hall of Fame point guard, two-time MVP, right? That was one of the perks that came with getting the head coaching job. Has he done anything to validate it, though, since getting the job? The answer is zero. Absolutely not. And now you know that your best player – 
essentially thinks that you're a buffoon and he wants you out of a job. How do you think that's going to translate? You think that's going to add any sort of, you know, odd, tense feelings when they gather together for practice and in training camp and get ready for the season? Let's hear from Woj again. How does KD repair that relationship with Steve Nash? I think especially for a star player, there needs to be certainly more of a relationship with the head coach. And certainly there's a lot of history there with Steve Nash. They were in Golden State together when Steve Nash was on the staff. They're going to have to find a way to make it work. And certainly winning makes a lot of it go away. This is a Nets roster beyond the big three with a healthy Joe Harris, with the additions in this offseason, you know, this is a team that, again, should be formidable in the East and throughout the NBA. And there are a lot of frayed relationships all over the NBA. There's no question. They'll have to be worked to walk back a lot of what's happened this summer. Listen, it reminds people of 2007, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. That was a tumultuous summer between he and the organization. He asked out. They came close to deals in a number of places, but didn't make a trade, repaired the relationship with Kobe Bryant, made the Pau Gasol trade, went on to win back-to-back titles. You know, listen, the Nets are just trying to win to get into the playoffs and advance in the East, get to a final. You know, they'll have a chance if this Nets team stays healthy, stays together. But certainly, I think with Kevin Durant, this is going to be a problem process of trying to put these pieces back together but it is easier to do that when your player is off the trade market Kevin Durant is off the trade market now and he's got four years left he's starting that new four-year 198 million dollar deal this season he hasn't played a minute yet on that new contract but it appears now he will play for the Nets under that deal and that's the point I've been trying to make the whole time is that if Kevin Durant was a free agent and he was going into his walk year i.e. like Kyrie Irving is then he could tell the Nets, trade me. And he could essentially hold the organization hostage. But you can't do that when you sign a four-year, $200 million contract that hasn't even kicked in yet. What are the Nets going to say? Well, why should we trade you? You're under contract to us. If you don't like it, go home. And ultimately, this is what happened. 800 that's the telephone number. Nets weren't just giving them away. They didn't get a deal that they saw was adequate for a player of KD's ability in return, and that's why he's still here. More of your calls on this when we return, and also the latest on the Knicks' pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. New little report that has just surfaced, which maybe, just maybe, alters the outlook. Dan Grasso with you till 10. It's the Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hey, we have action. We got a score in the Met-Yankee game, and it is courtesy of the judge. Solo shot here in the fourth. Walker made a mistake. 3-2 count, bases empty, two outs on Judge, and he literally grooved one right down the heart of the plate. Judge is not going to miss too many of those, and he put that one deep into the Bronx night to left field. So one nothing Yanks. Walker's pitched pretty well, too. That was only the second hit he surrendered, and the Mets, as we told you, had some chances already. They've already left three guys on base, but it's the Yanks who get that first run. It's one nothing here in the bottom of the fourth of the Subway Series. Tonight's, you know, tonight's one of the... Amazon Prime Yankee games, which I know that a lot of fans are angered with and they don't necessarily like it. I I don't blame you. You know, streaming is a little bit more difficult than just, you know, putting on your TV if you still have good old-fashioned cable or satellite or whatever it is and and watching it on the TV. So I wonder, like, if you're a Yankee fan, knowing that you have the option, and if you're not a fan of the Amazon stream, 
do you automatically then just flip over and watch the game on SNY, even though it's going to be a Met broadcast? Because at least it's still conventional TV. Sean in Queens is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Sean, how are you? Hey, so I was sitting here thinking, uh, I keep hearing people say that, you know, Kevin Durant is not honoring the contract. And it's odd because there's nothing wrong with him requesting a trade. You know, then why did he sign the contract? want him to play there. Well, he signed the contract to secure the deal, but they just like they, they signed the contract to secure the player. Right, so if they decided to look for his value, his trade value, let's say he didn't request a trade, but they looked into it, there'd be nothing wrong with that either. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. He he agreed to play basketball for the Nets. They agreed to pay him. They, they have the right to trade his services. He has the right to request that they trade his services. They don't have to do it, but that's not not honoring your contract. You're honoring your contract as long as you don't sit out and say I'm not going to play basketball. But Sean, doesn't it seem do weird? I, I, I mean, I, if you want to go like black and white, yeah, what you're saying is right, but we know that that's not the way the game works. The question is, though, a year ago, if you're Durant and you knew that you were going into the last year of your contract with the Nets, if you weren't necessarily 100% committed to them, you have a, you have trust in your own ability. At least you should. He's one of the best players in the game. Why not just play out the season, then go to free agency, where you know that you would have probably the entire sport vying for your services and sign with who you want to sign with. Well, that's easy. You, he's gonna he would get more money from the Nets. He had an injury that could have been career ending, and he was able to bounce back from it. But he doesn't know that his body's gonna hold up as he gets older. So you go for the you go for the biggest paycheck. And then you can always say, I want to request a trade, and if they deny it, they deny it. But, you know, that's the worst that they can say is no. And, you know, you, have, you still have the money, and you still have the chance to go wherever you want to go. But doesn't that then also, and again, you're not wrong, but why, what does that also say about Durant when we're talking about how he should be remembered, how his legacy is going to be viewed? Because can you think of any other great Durant. player, like that we say all-time great player, want to move around as often as Kevin Durant does? Well, then, I mean, LeBron has moved around. He's a mercenary also in that way. But the difference but he's is... he's never been traded. You know, Durant went to a... That, that is... Well, he's technically been signing well, trades, played, but not But he plays, this, he plays the game. Saying. He plays the game. He plays the system. He, does, he, he signs with these opt-outs he so, so he can dictate his own future. I get it. I'm just saying that Durant, when he went to Golden State in the first place, he kind of ruined his legacy anyway because he went to a team that was beyond ready-made. They were 73-9. and nine. So, like, that, at that point, people viewed him as a great player, but they're never going to put him on the same level as the greatest right. player because, they're, because of the fact that he did that. And no, but don't you think it's getting worse now? That that, that, at that level. Like, to me, it's a double indemnity, Sean, because think about it. He left Golden State. All right, like, you, we want to kill him for joining a ready-made team to win, which we did. Then he decides to leave Golden State to join up with Kyrie Irving, of all people, who's one of the most non-dependable, non-reliable athletes that we have, to go to Brooklyn, and that whole thing is crumbling, and now he wants to up and leave and go someplace else. But as we know, Sean, what are the teams that he reportedly wanted to get traded to? Miami and Phoenix, another couple of teams that are ready-to-made winner-type championship clubs. That, to me, does not do wonders for a guy's legacy. Like I've said, Kevin Durant might be one of the most insecure, all-time great players that we've seen in a long time.
Like, it's true. And, Sean, I thank you for the phone call. I think you got disconnected. Like, somebody of that ilk and of that ability, as great as he is, he should be the one wanting to find a solution to the situation that he finds himself in. Not wanting to get traded to teams that are like 90% there and they just need a little nudge over the top. That ain't right. Warren in Union, New Jersey up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Warren, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Dan. How you doing? Good, Warren. Big fan of Union, New Jersey. Great place. Nice. Thank you. So I was just thinking, I grew up watching all of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's um, career. And do you think Jordan would have just gotten up one morning and said, you know, I don't feel like playing today. I think I'm going to take a week off or, or Kobe. Do you think that would ever happen? No. 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 Those guys were about winning. And that's what we we're talking about. They're cut from a different cloth. Yeah. He's not about winning. If you're about winning, you don't do stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I agree. And look, we, Warren, we've been down this road many times, many, many, many times. And there's so few guys, so few guys that we see now in the modern era, like we we're talking about the NBA, so we'll just keep it basketball. In, in the modern era of the sport, even the great ones that you can compare to some of those other names that we talked about previously. Part of being great, in my opinion, is finding a solution. Maybe when you're not at your best, maybe when your team isn't at your best, finding a way to still persevere, not taking the easy way out, not joining up with your buddies, not chasing rings, not going to situations that are essentially ready-made winners, and you just come in and reap all the rewards. You get a lot of that nowadays. You didn't get so much right. of it back then. And it's called the off-season or when you have time off to do stuff. But when, you, when it's time to play, it's time to play. Thanks, Dan. Warren, be good. Be good. I mean, it's true, but you know what? It's a losing battle right now, right? It's not going to change. It's not going to change. You know, like we were talking about LeBron. You know, he's moved around, right? He kind of like authored the book on that because he kind of determined where he wanted to go. All free agency. You let me sign here, but I'm going to give myself, you know, two years plus an opt-out so then I could up and leave and go someplace else if I want. I admire LeBron that he went back to Cleveland and won them a championship, I do, but it's a different world. It's a different game. It's a different sport. Like, we're not going to see Guy. You know, I'll tell you something. You know who I actually, like, held out hope that he was maybe one of those type of players? Well, there's two. I'll say, I'm going to say there's two. There's one currently and one guy that I thought was maybe going to fall into that category. The guy who I thought was going to be like that player was Ka uh, Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio because it looked like he was going to be like the next in line of the Tim Duncan types who was so content to be playing in a small market there in San Antonio, didn't like the spotlight, didn't like the cameras, didn't like doing interviews. He was just all about ball, and he was a damn good player. Won championships, finals MVPs, that type of thing, and he was going to be content playing in San Antonio for the rest of his career, and then that changed. And then something happened, I don't know what it was, and they had to trade him. And he goes to Toronto. And then he leaves Toronto, but he wins a championship in Toronto, so he fulfills that promise. And then he goes to the Clippers here. So we could scratch his name off that list. But the last hope now, the last one of those guys, I think, is Giannis. Giannis is like the last hope. The last Jedi. 
right? Had missteps in the playoffs with Milwaukee. Finally toughed it out. Signed up for another tour duty, long-term extension. This is where I want to be. This is my home. I want to win here. It wouldn't mean as much if I didn't win someplace else. And he finally became a champion. Although the one thing I don't like about Giannis is that he's like dropping hints now like every so often. Maybe like people are baiting him into it, but he's like, oh, I'm in Milwaukee now, like right now. Meaning like he's leaving the door open that, you know, things could change. But he's still the guy. He's like the last hope that a superstar player could play most, if not all, of his career with the team that brought him in, where he ultimately went through the struggles, developed, got better, and then won the championship. And maybe more championships. We'll see how it plays out. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Also some news as it pertains to the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell when we come back. Dan Gross' show. 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 2-0 is our score in the Subway Series. Yanks with two, uh, two runs across in the fourth. Aaron Judge, a solo home run. Then Walker got into some trouble. He walked Oswaldo Cabrera with the bases loaded, but was able to escape any further damage. So 2-0 is the score here, but the Mets get a leadoff double from Canna in the fifth, seeing if they could get uh, one or both of those runners back. They got something cooking here, uh, two men on with nobody out in the fifth inning. And interestingly enough, you know, per the uh, ESPN stats and info, Judge has four career hits against Taiwan Walker. They have all been home runs. How about that? So when he gets them, he gets them. And if you're the Nets, you want to bounce back by that. Very astute point made uh, during the commercial break by Jacob Perry, my buddy, producer of the program here. And I never noticed this either today. When the Nets put out that statement from Sean Marks from the club regarding Kevin Durant and his future, at the bottom of the statement, they got the Brooklyn Nets logo. And then right next to the Brooklyn Nets logo, there's the boardroom logo, which is the you know company run by KD and Rich Kleiman and whatnot. Like, where do you see that? Like, it, it, it's about the team, isn't it? Like, what, what, what does the boardroom have to do with the Nets and how they go about their day-to-day operation? As we know, KD likes to flex his muscle and have a big say as to what happens with the organization. But still, I, I mean, you're selling – I mean, was that part of the discussion? Was that part of the L.A. meeting? Like, we want the boardroom CC'd on every sort of message now and every sort of press release that the Nets put out just to know, like, hey, we're still here and we're lurking? I, I, I really and truly just don't get it. I, I, I don't. Let's say hi to uh, Tom in Middletown up next here on the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Tom, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. What's up, Tom? Done, man. Long-time listener, fan of the station. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate um, it. It's funny. You, you just brought up that point. And I was wondering, you know, is it fair to hold these agents and these firms accountable for a lot of these holdouts? You know, any other aspect of life, you sign up for something, you make a bad decision, you got to live with it. These players sign these contracts, taking the max deals, the max offers, whoever can offer them uh, the most years and the most money. And then they decide after a few years that, you know, maybe they made a bad decision and want to get out of it. But I feel like the agents don't let them do that because they'd have to forfeit some of the uh, commission on that. Maybe they want to keep the deal and the, the players walk away with, with every penny. And it comes down, there's two types of players, a player who just, plays the game for the uh, for the financial benefits and others who play it for the game 
and the money comes with it. If you build it, they'll come. So if you do it for the right reason, both of these players understand that, and, and they just do the right thing. They get paid anyway. Uh, and I just think guys like Durant, he was a great player in OKC. Everybody knew that. He goes to OKC, and he's still a great player, wins championships, but the debate continues. You know, now we have to debate, you know, was he the reason they won? How great would they have been without him? And, you know, to me, I, I don't think he personally is all about the legacy or the championships in the team, but it's more about, you know, how much money can he make and, and how much will his legacy make him in the process? Otherwise, Tom, if just, that's, you know, it, find it, something that makes you happy. Tom, if that's the case, and I, and I appreciate the phone call, get back to us here. What you outlined at the beginning with the agents potentially – advising the players to do this and so on and so forth. If that's the way the business is being conducted, then that's an unhealthy relationship right there. Because as is the case in sports, business, whatever, right? The agent works for the player, right? The agent works for whoever they're representing. My agent represents me, right? I'm going to have to, at the end of the day, act on my own volition, you know, he can advise or they can advise and they can offer suggestions as to, you know, what I think is best. And, you know, based on past experience and my interactions and my dealings, I think you should do this, this, this and this. But, you know, ultimately you make the final call. That's how it works. You know, if an agent goes out and does something and, and speaks on behalf of the player without the player's permission, well, you know what, then he's not going to be the agent much longer, especially if it's going to paint the player in a negative light. Player's the one who makes the call. So if, if, if KD is deferring in that situation, which I don't think, like I said, I don't think he is, then, because they're the one that's going to get the barbs at the end of the day, not the agents. Ticey in Connecticut, up next, here on 98.7 ESPN. Ticey, how you doing? Hey, good. Uh, appreciate you taking the call. I drive over an hour each way, and you guys keep me up uh, on the way to and from work, so appreciate awesome. it. We want you to stay up. No snoozing behind the road. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> so I got two points. One's basketball, one's uh, baseball. So the basketball is about the Kevin Durant thing. Um, you know, I kind of want to reference the former caller, you know, that said uh, about the contract that he's not really in breach of contract. You know, the player signs to play for the team, but the team signs that they have the right to the player, which means they can choose for the player to play or to be traded. So, you know, I do think he is going against the contract. You know, I know you guys made well, And real quick, real quick. It's not like it's not like the Nets were looking to tra- I mean if the Nets were looking to move Kevin Durant they wouldn't have given him all that money and signed him to that massive extension they would have traded him last year in the final year of his original contract. No, I'm just saying they have they would have an option as they would with any player to trade oh, right. and that is their right. prerogative. Yeah. And you know I think it, it this speaks to him wanting to be traded more to the fact of I think money because if he gets traded now he can then sign a max deal with the team next year being that he's already on the team as opposed to leaving in free agency and taking less money. Um, so I think it has more to do with the money aspect and him being on the team that he wants to be on for the next four or five years going forward. Um, my second point is about baseball. I'm from Missouri, big Cardinals fan. And the topic was uh, brought up about Albert Pujols versus uh, Aaron Judge's, which one's record is bigger. And I personally still think Aaron Judge's uh, record would be more impressive. I was a kid when Mark McGuire, um, uh, broke the record. I can remember where I was. My parents let me stay up at night and watch that home run. I think it kind of speaks to us as American people that, um, you know, we like things quick. We quickly lose, you know, our attention span. And, you know, we when we've seen the 700 uh, home runs getting broken more recently, whereas a true 
somebody actually breaking the 62 record has been much longer, you know, minus the steroids. So I think that's why Aaron Judges is more impressive to do it over one season. And just your well, thoughts and, on those things. And, Ty, and Tice, thanks for the phone call. The other thing that makes that paints it in a different light, too, with Judge is that he's a Yankee. Right? It means a little bit more when you have a Yankee breaking the record that was set by a Yankee. It just carries a little bit more weight, I think. And the fact that, of course, Judge is doing it by legitimate means. There's no evidence of any sort of PED use or anything like that. He's, he's legit. And the same thing goes for Pujols. And, and I'll argue this. However many home runs Pujols ends up with, right? He's at 693. He homered last night. And, look, I don't think he's going to get to 700. I, I, I just don't. It's, it's, it's possible but not probable. That's how I put it yesterday. I mean, anything can happen. They still got like 40 games to play. He, you know, he's seven away. We'll see. But at the very least, if he hits four more home runs, then he'll pass A-Rod for fourth on the all-time list. That, to me, is big. That, to me, would be big. Because for a guy like Pujols to be higher on the list than a guy like A-Rod, who we know a-Rod was not 100% clean in his career, and he's owned up to the mistakes. So you don't know how many A-Rod out of those 696 came by using artificial enhancements. That's why I think that it would look better for the overall scope of the game and the history if you have a guy like Pujols who still is one spot higher than a guy like A-Rod. Bonds ain't going anywhere, right? You still got Ruth, you got Aaron, and then if you have Pujols right there, Three out of the top four home run hitters of all time, if they all did it legitimately, better than the otherwise, if you know what I mean. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Some thoughts on the Knicks here and their pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. We'll also get into some Jets-Giants football talk before the night is through. It's Dan Grasso with you on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 2-1 Yankees is our score in the bottom of the fifth inning. Mets got one back in that inning. And you know what? You can look at it one of two ways. Starling Marte, Mets had runners at second and third. Marte hits a ground ball to right field for a base hit. One run scored. Then Brett Beatty, the rookie, was the runner at second, comes chugging around third. And the throw from right field by Oswaldo Cabrera, the rookie, got him by a pretty sizable margin. And that was the end of that. So the Yanks lead cut in half. It's 2-1, but... Uh, Beatty, I thought was a, had a little bit more, a uh, little bit more pep in his step than what he showed uh, coming around third base there. You know what it reminded me of watching him run around third there, and this, you know he's he's a tall, kind of lanky kid. Give me like Christian Yelich vibes, you know, like pre bad back Christian Yelich, those like long strides. And so I thought that he'd be able to beat the throw, but not to be. And we got ourselves a two-one game here in the bottom half of the fifth inning. All right, the latest on the Knicks is. And this is from uh, our pal Ian Begley of SNY.TV. Says that now some members of the Knicks hierarchy are open to including R.J. Barrett in a trade for Donovan Mitchell. Now, before you get out of, con- you know, go crazy and before you think that, oh, you know, you can't trade Barrett, don't trade R.J., you got to keep him. Blah, blah. And I know a lot of the Knicks fans love him. All right, we talked about that over the summer when it was first broached about maybe doing some dealings with Utah. There's a lot of people that have a say in the room. It's not just one guy or two guys. There are a lot of folks in the room. You know, think about like 12 angry men, right? 
You don't know how many of them are open to including R.J. Barrett in a deal. It could be one, it could be three, it could be five. But at the end of the day, Leon Rose's voice is the one that's going to carry the most weight because he is the one that runs the show. So if Leon Rose is open to it, then R.J. Barrett could be included in a package to get Donovan Mitchell. But if R.J. Barrett is someone that Leon Rose covets and wants to keep here with the Knicks, then guess what? R.J. Barrett's not going anywhere. And I tell you, know, when it was first reported, you know, right around draft time, a little after draft time, about the Donovan Mitchell flirtations and this and that, all these number one draft picks that the Jazz covet, they want picks, they want young players, guys that maybe they won't have to throw a lot of money at as they continue this rebuild. R.J. Barrett's a guy that is going to have to get paid here in the not-too-distant future when he's eligible to be locked up to a long-term deal. And I say, you know, I would not be opposed to it. Just trying to recycle my stance from, you know, June. I would not be opposed to it because right now, yes, R.J. Barrett's homegrown. Yes, he's young. Yes, you think he's getting better, but are you 1,000% sure that he will get better? And more importantly, are you 1,000% sure that he will ever reach Donovan Mitchell's level? Donovan Mitchell's a proven all-star scorer in the NBA. Proven performer at a high level in the playoffs. Don't give me what Utah did as a team. His play individually was unbelievable. All right, this guy has already performed and succeeded on levels that R.J. Barrett has not yet done in the NBA. And who knows if R.J. Barrett will? We don't know. There have been a lot of players in sports, not just the NBA, that have shot out of the gates really, really favorably in the first couple of years, and they're young, and you think that they're developing, and they're getting better, only for it never to happen. So would I let R.J. Barrett be the thing that stands in the way between the Knicks acquiring Donovan, Donovan Mitchell and just running it back with this same group next year? The answer is no. I would, when push comes to shove, include him in a deal if you could tell me that I'm getting Donovan Mitchell. And I'm getting a proven 25 to 30 point guy every single night he steps out on the floor. And every single night you step out on the floor at the Garden, he can go off for 40, maybe 50. And be the back page the next morning when you wake up. Donovan Mitchell has a greater probability of that happening on any given night than, let's say, R.J. Barrett does. Not to say that that's the only way you build a team and build a winner. Those are just facts. Mike in New Jersey, up next, here on the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are you? Mike, you there? Yes, I'm here, Dan. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Um, so I was just referencing the discussion you had earlier about that, like, Giannis mm-hmm. is the only player currently in the league cut from, like, the MJ Kobe cloth. Right. And the only the, – there's one other guy I thought of, maybe not to the same degree because he hasn't had that championship success, but I was thinking maybe Damian Lillard. What's no, your, that's, what's that's a good on one. A couple of people have tweeted out the same thing to me about Damian Lillard. That's a good one. The difference I have with him compared to Giannis is this. Number one, Dame hasn't got there yet to the top of the mountain. I mean, he got to the conference finals once, which is a tremendous accomplishment. But I just don't ever see it working out in Portland. You know what I mean? I, I, I just don't see it happening. Not so much from Dame's end, 
But I think Portland's going to be faced with a decision that for the betterment of their franchise, they're going to have to trade him and reload with whatever they can get back from moving him. Because I don't think they're winning with Damian Lillard there. And it's no knock on him. It's the organization, which I think right now needs to find out which direction is going. Here's, here's what you know about Portland. Remember, they got a new owner now because Paul Allen, the Microsoft guy who owned the Seattle Seahawks as well and Portland, Passed away a couple of years ago. Now his sister runs the team. Did you see this thing? And I talked about it on the show last week. Portland decided that they weren't going to have their announcers travel on road games this year. Television and radio just to save a couple of bucks. Think about how much this this franchise is worth. Think of how much her uh, the family is worth. And just to save a couple of bucks on a red roof inn, they're not going to have the announcers travel. Well, that made national news. Everybody spoke out about it, including us. And now they change course, and now the announcers are going to travel again. So if they can't even figure out the right thing to do with the announcers, how am I going to have any faith that that organization knows which end is up when it comes to building a winning team? Yeah, and that's, it's a shame because he's arguably a Hall of Fame caliber player, but they change their philosophy every offseason, and it feels like they're kind of stuck in mud while there's so many teams in the Western Conference that are above and beyond them. So each season, it's such a slog just to even get to the second round the Western Conference Finals, let alone get to the top of that championship mound and win it. No doubt about it. And think about it, Mike, and thank you for the phone call. Remember, McCollum, they moved on from him. He's now doing his thing down in N.O. Um, it's going to be hard. I just think that his future is probably going to be someplace else, and it's no knock on him. He's brilliant. Love him as a player. I just don't know if Portland is necessarily going to be the right place for him here. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>